Hello and welcome to Previously On, a difficulty class podcast where we relax and talk about all the kick-ass games we're a part of. I'm one of your storytellers, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is Dusty Hill from Shouting in Place. Hey, Dusty. It's me. Hi, Trevor. Nice to see you and talk to you. (laughs) I know. It's such a novel thing this year. I know, right? Wow. Uh, so yeah, as, as I said, uh, um, like two weeks ago now, I don't know what it was. Allie's taking a short break from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have uh, one of these last week. Sorry about that. I hope you saw it on Twitter and you weren't checking your feed and being like, damn it, Trevor, where is my show? And shaking your fist at the sky. What um, yeah, that was kind of a combination of being really busy, not knowing what to do, and also not really wanting to just sit here and talk to myself. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's valid. <laughs> Granted, that's how this show kind of started. So maybe I should have just <laughs> recorded it in my car. Then I would have been more at home. You you would have felt at ease. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to subject the listeners to that audio quality ever again. Um, but let's uh, let, let's get into some stories. And, and I, I've got a doozy, and I, I I hate to come out the door swinging with that. And because of that, <laughs> Dusty, I want you to go first because I I don't want to take up your time. Like I don't I don't want to I want to be able to see like oh I'm coming up on an hour I need to speed this shit up. I don't want to to, to squish you in there. So I, I want you to go first on up with your story for the week. Okay, that's good. Um, so I I haven't played much in the past uh, week. Uh, we can change, but I have been playing a five E game with a different group of uh, friends. Um, actually run by my old coworker, um, a good friend, Dusty. Uh, another Dusty that I happen to Oh, know. my God. How many Dusties are you? Like, you got three <laughs> of them now. Yeah, I had one honestly, of them on the podcast the other week. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I know a couple of Dusties. All good people. The other Dusties yeah. uh, thing about all Dusties being good people's thing. So, anyways, my with the game with Dusty and Dusty, <laughs> um, uh, it's been one that we started earlier this year. Um, and... Um, he did it's all homebrew it's a homebrew campaign that he started from scratch um i don't think from scratch because he's very much in the same vein how you have an mcu universe okay he has one because he's been playing like no joke since he was like five oh my god i'm so jealous of that (laughs) he told me i'm like dude how are you telling me after a year after we worked with each other what the hell um but so and we've been playing this game this game i am playing a gnome cleric uh, his name is Ignacio Audric um, Estevel Sanchez. Uh, he That's is awesome. um, Unity cleric, and oh. he uh, his god is uh, Tamora, the Lady Luck. Mm-hmm. And so this one, it kind of started. We got hired. Um, I'm going to give you a quick overview because yeah. it's the first time I'm actually talking to you about it because I don't really talk about it. <laughs> uh, we've been hired by. Uh, someone in this town to go like investigate someone with supplies was attacked and people have gone missing we go through that uh, we go find them and it looks like um, they've been attacked by something spooky scary there's claw marks that we have not recognized before that kind of stuff uh, we tell it back to town. It's like, well, you know, there's been a werewolf problem recently. Like, oh, you tell us that now. <laughs> I didn't think it was important. Anyways. So we kind of dig more deep into that. We end up finding like this kind of like abandoned weird castle. Um, like kind of like, you know, like a, like a rook where it's just a tower. Yeah. It's like that. Um, but there was some other stuff like attached to it. And it's kind of in ruins. We go in. At first, we were going to sneak in. Um, there is a minotaur, another gnome wizard, uh, a rogue, 
I think there's a fighter that's a mountain fighter. So he's wearing plate mail. I'm wearing plate mail. We're not sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um, that sneaking up turned to a fight where three of us went down at level two, uh, including the Minotaur. And then we found out they escaped down the tower where it was like 80 to 200 feet or something like that. And we had to discover like, hmm, how the hell do you get down there? Which ended up being like a whole session in itself. <laughs> Long story short, we get down there. We find Sounds the like our Pathfinder group. Yeah, honestly. And like, surprisingly in that group, I make some plans. And it doesn't always go to shit. But also, <laughs> with a you know, grain of salt that I make some plans. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we find a person. We get out. No one dies, um, surprisingly. There's a side story going on where someone found this like two barrels of like this crazy powerful like alchemist fire that's literally used to blow up mountains cool. um, and the person that discovered it is the, the wizard or sorcerer um, but he didn't tell anyone else he just told the minotaur to carry it with him so we are completely unaware that we've been carrying this and we've had this for like 10 sessions at this point oh my and god only he knows it so you get into that and then there's kind of like another, like a bunch of other stuff, like side story. We go to town, we go to different towns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we were going towards this bigger town where we need to figure out, because um, there's this werewolf problem is like, not just a problem, it's like a cult. And there's like this other cult going around with um, some crazy wild, like backstory with my character was part of the secret guild. And they were supposed to be all killed on site, but they have the same symbols, and it's so spooky, scary stuff. Uh, oh, spooky, scary stuff. I'm here for it. Yeah, exactly. And so we're going out to town, and then during this travel, because it's like a 10-day travel, and so we go like a couple days at a time, we take camp for the night. Uh, someone wakes up in the middle of the night, and they're seeing visions and hearing like demonic voices, and they're like figuring out, like, okay, well, maybe I should follow this they go off by themselves no one realizing it until like someone like on watch like realize someone's missing uh, the person gets possessed by something they That's get into combat with the other player character um, yeah and that was like those who were fighting each other and only one person kind of knew what was happening and the other person was being controlled by the DM sort of it was it was very wild <laughs> and then the rest of us saw someone in a spooky red cloak that we knew was supposed to be scary and we go following them to the woods because the minotaur got like like in enchanted or something like he had to go follow it along with um oh there's a monk as well yeah the monk is important for a short period of time um so we go into these woods and then there's like i'm a gnome and then there's another gnome, and it's a minotaur and a monk who are both way faster than us. So they actually go way into the forest before we could even like have a chance to catch up. And then there's some kind of Cthulhu monster in there that grabs the monk by just like grabs the monk in one of these weird tentacles. And the GM was describing it and showing it on roll 20 only to those two people while we're still trying to catch up and figure out what's going on. And during this like he's trying to escape the freaking tentacle thing crits on the monk when it's grappled um of so course. he's kind of like he, he, zero because we were like level three at this point um 
if even were we i don't even remember it was this was a while <laughs> ago actually and so we're going through that um the minotaur finally gets there and tries to save him doesn't really work death saving throws don't really work um and then me and the other uh gnome catch up and we're both like losing our mind because it's like legitimately like a cthulhu-esque ass monster mm. and we don't know what to do so at one point the minotaur like okay well this looks like some vines i'm gonna throw this alchemist fire at you um missed hit the monk as well oh uh, god yeah but that at that point we were able to get out of the grasp and run away uh made it to the camp unfortunately monk is just gone like oh like the unfortunately the fire was more than enough to get him past the negative life oh no yeah so that was an unfortunate end to that session but we were on the way to the next town we were figuring out what to do with the body because we also don't know what's going on with the other player character who went mad uh and started attacking someone else um but the sorcerer um likes to experiment the same person that found the alchemist fire and he was gathering these potions throughout our adventure where doesn't know what it is but knows it has something to do with like uh lycanthropy or werewolves and stuff and so while everyone is passed out he decides to you know stick the potion inside the corpse's mouth put it in there seeing if maybe it will help our friend come back to life mm-hmm we get to the next town, um, and we're trying to. It's like, okay, we found we saw some majorly fucked up shit there. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, as me as the cleric and someone that's kind of like the holy person in this group, I end up being the face talking about it all, um, which is interesting because it's definitely a more serious character than I'm used to. Okay, um, I mean, you know, still whatever. <laughs> and we're going through that, and a lot of us like down to the tavern. We left the body with the cart. Um, but then we go back and as we're leaving I just had this picture in my head that these people walk out of a tavern and there's just a cart with this dead monk just sprawled out in it eyes wide open well, in the back and they just go walking by like it's nothing I mean it's d and you know it's just Thursday <laughs> ah yes another Thursdays. adventure yes but we we leave the town we do some other business and like after we go talk to some people and the essentially the mayor of the town I forget what uh, GM called it there was a commotion and we leave and there's five bodies in the little town that the guards like something came out and just attacked them and just took everything down and we look at them and was like these look like werewolf like marks like oh, as shit. a party and so we're like what and so we go back the sorcerer kind of like putting two and two together went back to the card first the body's gone oh so this is something that um, I told Tajima about it, but uh, I had Yunadi's voice from Three Back Halflings <laughs> suffer and learn. Because <laughs> we ended up having going through town because our fallen party member has come back as a werewolf zombie and is oh! literally wrecking shop around town and we're chasing him, trying werewolf to stop zombie. it. And th- this went on for the whole session. Ended up being like, we found the you know, tailors, and then like, the like the tailor like we we find the body of the family. We find the body of the tailors who's still alive, barely breathing. 
Um, and then uh, this was a couple of the members. The Minotaur and one of the other characters were still at the tavern because this, like, we kind of discovered this in the night. And the uh, Minotaur wakes up and they see this creature come into their room. And then they have a combat with the fallen party member. And that was going on, and we went back and forth. The Minotaur barely survived, like, luckily, because someone came in and threw some fire, which happened to work on this weird, like, werewolf zombie deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize I'm going long, but I'll, I'll try Oh, to- no, no, no. You, you're not going long <laughs> at all. You, you're doing good. Like, uh, like you, you do you. Yeah, and this is it's just gonna get more wild from here. So perfect. That we get there and we're kind of like going over and like me as the cleric, I come in. It's like okay, you're like almost dead. Like there's the body on the floor. Like what's going on? Um, I started looking at it and like I'm looking closer at our friend's wounds and like not only is there like the werewolf things, but he looks like there's some kind of weird mushroom growing on his wounds. I'm like what the fuck is this and we uh, I talked to the taverns like well there's a local dryad and something maybe talk to them um, because this seems to be more than just lycanthropy that's happening it seems to be some kind of like weird fungus that may be causing this to make it so strange so I talked to them I was like yeah there's this like crazy weird like mushroom that cultist used a long time ago and it's the same cultist that my character has to deal with um that's been used for some kind of like necromantic issues i'm like well shit so if anything has been attacked by it is growing that doesn't mean they had the same thing or the dryad's like i don't know and i'm just thinking <laughs> those five bodies can i look at them from earlier because it's been the, the ones that were attacked mm-hmm. they have all the same shit all over them like the tiny spores growing on all the wounds. I'm like, shit, shit, shit. So um, we get, we essentially like, you need to burn these bodies immediately. And it, it's turned into me going to all the places we were earlier where they attacked, trying to figure out if they have those spores. Every single body has these spores on it. So oh we go back to the tailor, have them like, you need to get these bodies out of here ASAP. You go back to the inn, it's like, Oh my god, you're still alive, but that means you could be turned to a Minotaur zombie werewolf. <laughs> um, so we go back to the Dryad with him. And I was like, do you know a way to get this out of there? And we're like, well, you could try searing the wounds. Um, I don't know if that will work. It may have already gone too deep into the system. Or I could do something fun, uh, which <laughs> no one liked the sound of. But also, I like the it was, well, <laughs> it was the end of the day, all of our spell slots were gone. So I was like, shit. Okay. We gave the Minotaur a full bottle of whiskey. Um, and essentially what this dryad did, she channeled some kind of energy and reached into the Minotaur and pulled out the whole spore. It ended up being like this like writhing dark mass of like Ooh. necrotic energy. And she took it out of him, and he only took 35 damage. Uh, uh, but he only? Didn't, he didn't die, thankfully, which is... We're glad we had regular health potions on this. Good lord. Uh, so, we dealt with that. Uh, we did find out who gave the potion, which 
my cleric and the sorcerer is now kind of like has some tension going on but we didn't have much time to deal with it because we still need to go further uh, to a different town because we still have to find like the source of something and we heard it's going to be there and this leads us to our last session uh, which we were still kind of on the road and we stopped to rest and we are at this area and there's like um we're heading towards something called the, the living tree. Um, and we could kind of see it in the distance because it's the size of a mountain. But it's kind of like rotting and it's like losing. It's like, you know, it doesn't look like a, a vibrant living tree. It looks like it's like dead. But we just, we had to camp out there for the night. Um, and we're trying to figure out what we should do, who should keep watch. And then one of the people uh, that's driving the car that's like guiding us is she's like, yeah, there's like... There's this like weird story around here about like this crag um, that's like someone's supposed to hide like crazy treasure there or something. But, you know, it's just a story. And our character's like, well, nothing is a story. We, we, we've seen some shit. But after much liberations, like, and the, the NPC just saying, don't fucking be stupid, please. I can't handle this anymore. I'm losing my hair. <laughs> um, we're like, okay. We'll come back for this because this sounds really interesting. Uh, but we're doing watches. I take the middle watch, and RGM's like roll, uh, roll a perception check. I'm like, okay, I rolled a five, and then he's it's like, okay, you hear this kind of like voice in the wind, and the voice um, doesn't, you can't quite pick it up, but the way it's speaking, you feel like it's Tamora, and she's saying, oh. don't you want to know? What's in that crag with the untold riches and untold treasure? And don't you want to find out about your party member that's also a tiefling about his troubled past? And this is the first time my character hears about it. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, we just had this whole conversation. That would be really stupid. Um, and because uh, Ignacio is a cleric of Tamora, and it's like, Either it's like, okay, I rolled really low. I'm convinced this is my god. And I was like, okay. you know what? I don't know. But, I mean, why don't we just let fate decide? And it's like, I have a coin in my hand. I'm going to flip it. If heads, I'll go. Tails, I won't. And so I had the GM literally flip a coin. Huh. Whatever the decision was, I would have gone. Thank goodness he flipped tails. I'm like, sorry, tomorrow, can't tonight. While the rest of the party members like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, that was very dangerous, but incredibly on brand. <laughs> uh, and so, thankfully, the rest of the night goes on without any trouble. No one else hears any wild voices. Uh, then we get closer to this living tree, and this tree is legit the size of a mountain, and it has like blackened bark, and we see like towards um because it takes another day's travel we are in, in mm -hmm. evening again we see like 400 feet out there's actually like like tree ends and like living bushes keeping patrol um we were going to go investigate it but the same npc is like don't be what i just told you a day ago don't go by yourself <laughs> i i didn't tell you about the bushes because i know y'all dumbasses will be so freaking interested about it <laughs> i was like fine we won't um but as we're kind of like setting up camp, we hear this 
music coming from the trees that sounds less than natural and then um we're interesting in an approach and we see someone with this like very fanciful lute and they have like short hair and like these weird like kind of like lizard eyes like reptilian eyes mm-hmm. but they seem to be as human as they can be you know can't be fantasy and we're we pick up conversation and as a player alarms are going off left and right this person is so <laughs> nice it's like they just have magic items on them that they start like showing us it's like talking like oh yeah this one's like it's like this weird eyeball on the vial and one of the players is like can i see it no no <laughs> um and this conversation goes on way longer than we thought just like talking like who are you i don't know <laughs> sounds we, like one of my NPCs. <laughs> i mean honestly uh, and we like we get the name. The name's Felix, um, but towards the end of the conversation, we don't know shit. We know they have a bag of holding that they made themselves, that's filled with magical items that are older than any of our PCs. Um, reluctantly, we're like, okay, maybe we'll talk to you tomorrow, um, but we're gonna rest. We'll maybe see you later. And Felix just like, okay. See you later. I'll promise to keep the loop playing quiet so I don't wake you up. <laughs> and as soon as they're like without out of earshot, um, they send sending to my characters like, say everyone I said goodnight. And while the source is like, that was freaking fucking you. I did not like that. What's going on? Uh, but at that point, that was the end of the session. We know as much as about that person as we did going again. And we're going to be soon going towards that mountain of a tree, trying to find some fucked up shit. Uh, what was the tree called again? The the living tree. The living tree. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. That's mysterious. It, it was a uh, he. He's he was he gave much better imagery than I could, but it was so <laughs> it was such a cool thing. It's like it's like how far away could you see? I mean, you are currently you were told you're about twenty miles away, and it's just looming in the distance. Good lord, that's yeah. cool. And so. Uh, we're probably going to do something stupid in there. Uh, so we'll find that out. If, I, if I'm ever on again, I'll, I'll let you know how those escapades went. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> Always welcome. That, that was cool. I like, I, I like this. I've not heard about this group before, so this is very entertaining to, to mm-hmm. get to hear about. I like it. it Ignacio is a Ignacio cleric. I have a mm-hmm. lot of characters named Ignacio. Uh, well, it's funny is because because I listen to kind of funny so much. I just hear Ignacio Rojas in my head. Like <laughs> as soon as you said Ignacio, um, kind of funny fans will get that. No one else will. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, but no, that's really cool. I like that. That, that, that game sounds fun as hell. It's werewolf it's zombies. It honestly like the description of it. And we found out like, are you fucking serious? I'm gonna be real. I might, I might have to put werewolf zombies somewhere in a campaign because that sounds, it's that sounds fun. Werewolf fungus zombies, because mind you, it's also yeah. has this weird, which we don't yeah, know get the, much about either. You can get the whole uh, Last of Us thing in there. Yeah, the Last of Us or the Happening. Oh um, God, no, not let's not <laughs> let's not do the Happening. I don't want I don't want a PC to ever look at a plant and just like we just want to use your bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't kill us um that that's my mark Wahlberg. uh so on that note um man my game 
Yes. I'm... Let's 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 start off with where where I left off. Yeah. Uh, Dusty, I, I don't know if you've been listening to previously on, but yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna be like, uh, you, you might, you, I, I might sound a little crazier for a moment, but anywho, so they just finished up at the crypt of the Hellriders. And they got the information they needed. They knew they need to uh, unleash this demon lord again. Not saying the name. I put that name through several pronunciation apps. <laughs> still couldn't tell you what it is. Um, and so they're like, all right, cool. We got we got the plan. We know we need to go to this chasm. Let's go back to the uh, crashed fortress. Uh, crashed flying fortress. I always like putting those words together because yes. it just <laughs> negates the word before it and whatnot. Um, and so they go there and they... they collect the rest of the crew now here's the crazy thing dusty you you know and listeners will know because you experience this uh all, all the time at your tables i had every player here it was insane i it's really? so rare that i get all six of my players on a discord and going wow so i i, w- I was i was very pleased i was very happy i'm like all right cool we're gonna do some cool shit tonight Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Yeah, so they get back to the Crash Fortress, and, um, oh, ooh, this part's pretty cool. Um, Wit uh, pulls Dagri aside, and he goes, hey, so while you guys were gone, again, I'm not doing the Scottish accent. Y'all never hear that. <laughs> I don't even like doing it in front of my brother-in-law who lives in Scotland, because I feel like he's going to judge me. Um so he pulls Nick's character Daggery aside. And he's like, hey, while you were gone, um, I think I found a way for you to possibly contact your god through me. And so they did a ritual. I had to make some religion rolls. Funny enough, Daggery, not that great at religion, but he <laughs> freaking nailed these rolls, even critting on one of them. Hell yeah. Um, and so like I had different degrees of successes. Like if he gets one success, he gets kind of a fuzzy voice, uh, the two successes, full voice, fuzzy image, three successes, full voice, full image. So he got all three poof, God, <laughs> beam of blue light shoots out of wits, <laughs> mind flayer mouth and creates this like star Wars hologram image of Ferlangan. And this is a big deal for Dagri. Dagri has been a believer in Ferlang- Ferlangan, easy for me to say, for like 300 years. And he just learned his god's name in the last campaign. He believed in this god, had the amulet and everything, and had no idea who it was. Just knew kind of what that god wanted him to do. So this is this is huge. He's gone from not knowing the name to seeing and talking to his god. That's super cool. Uh, the god basically, or Flangan basically says like, hey, some fucky shit's going on. There is a being in the multiverse that is killing uh, demigods, and I don't know why. Ooh. Um, and he has something that that being wants, and he won't say what it is, and he won't say where he is. But he says, but he basically tells Daggery, "I'm gonna figure out a way to get you to me, finish up what you're doing, and we'll talk." In transmission. That's that's intense. Fun fact: I know the answer to all of those things, and I've <laughs> known them for two years, and I've been building to this moment for so long. I, I oh my that. god! I love that. Like, think um, you will actually get that out there. So, Oh, God, yeah. And then I still didn't get to say this stuff. Um, <laughs> so, again, plan was go to the chasm, find the demon lord, release him, 
a noise aureole, so on. They get into the war machine, and someone goes, so where are we going again? And Uthal goes, oh, we should uh, we should go to the Arches of Ulok. You know, that place that he made that deal with Asmodeus to get Caesar to go to. <laughs> that place that I had a vague idea of what was going to happen when they go there, but I didn't actually think they would go anytime soon. So I plotted out the entire uh, entire session not around that. <laughs> this motherfucker, yeah, that's right, St. James. I love you, but you motherfucker convinced five other people to go to this place with no explanation. How? Not a single explanation. That's I'm the wrong fucking brand. I'm panicking. <laughs> Um, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a shout out here. We did it. We did a spotlight way back in the day. They they were nice enough to nice enough to give us a copy of it. Hellbound Heist. Holy shit! Did that come in handy? Oh my god! Because this supplement is a heist in every level of hell. Mm-hmm. I we'll get to why that came important. But man, I pulled that thing up and just started like scanning real quick as as I'm telling the players other stuff. So they go to the Arches of Ulok. And as soon as they get there, bright flash of light, everything goes white, and they vanish. I actually did uh, a scene where they weren't there and described it, where they vanished, and Horse Cook and the uh, floating skull flaming head Baranibus is still in the war machine. And Horse Cook looks at the seat, looks at Baranibus, and just goes, are you going to get that? Asking the dude with no hands, he's gonna drive. I love it. Um, so they, uh, Cesar is alone. He is in a void of space. In the distance, he can see galaxies and you know gas giants, or not gas giants, but like gas fields and whatnot moving through the the system. Um, and uh, essentially, this voice tells him that he has been expected and welcomed and wanted, but he must pass through a trial. And Mm. where he is, is the first trial. And uh, the Caesar's like, what am I supposed to do? And uh, the the voice says, escape. (laughs) That's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, the rest of the golden pals are in a prison cell. Uh, with infernal rune etched bars, they if they even get near them, they get zapped with this lightning energy. And at one point, uh, while they're talking over everything and basically just telling Uthal he's a piece of shit, um, <laughs> this skeletal, uh, skeletal like charred being in like Greek Roman armor walks by outside and they're like, all right, that's fucking weird. Um, So they start forming a plan and I'm letting them do this because again, panicking. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Oh God. Um, And so they, they get this thing together, which essentially put two lock picks on a, on a crowbar, on two crowbars, which then they wrapped with leather so that Uthal could hold them while putting it through the lightning bars to try and pick the lock. And as he's doing this, he looks up 
and that skeletal figure standing at the bars. <laughs> this sounds incredibly on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, this this skeletal figure has like his eyes and inside his mouth look like stars in space and they're swirling around and he's got like these certain brighter points in where his eyes would be to kind of dictate where he's looking mm -hmm. and in this breathy voice he uh, says you are expected and the door swings open while Uthal's trying to pick it just like <laughs> I almost had it he didn't almost have it um, so they're escorted out uh -huh. through the uh through the prison and they start walking through this fortress and they come out and they see the landscape around them a couple rolls are made and it is realized that they are in nessus the ninth level of hell okay yep. okay you know just yep. it's a thursday afternoon yep uh, get yeah, th this. This all kind of came from Hellbound Heist because um, the one of the images for Nessus had this really amazing fortress off in the distance, and in the foreground was this Greek Roman looking uh, uh, person standing on a rock. And I went, Hades. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lift Yo. some Hades here. It's got a great vibe. It's got a great uh -huh, style. Uh -huh. That's kind of what I'm gonna be going for with this. So they, uh, oh, let, let's hop back over to Cesar. He's doing yes. a bunch of stuff, figuring out and whatnot. And eventually he casts fly on himself and is able to move around through the space. And he starts just going straight until like Truman Show style bumps into a wall. <laughs> and it actually sees that these stars are like on this wall. So he starts feeling around and whatnot. And, um, eventually finds a door and opens it and there's bright sunlight on the other side. And so he's like, all right, let's freaking go. And so he pulls back a little bit and shoots flying out through it and comes up out of a grassy field. And the, the door closes behind him and it just grass field, no door, no nothing. Huh. Uh, in the distance, he sees a castle. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to fly over there. So he starts flying there. The Golden Pals um, are escorted into a very long and elegant hall. Along the walls, there are demons, or not, not demons, but fiends, like all sorts, pit fiends, uh, uh, you know, uh, horn devils, uh, succubus, incubus, all that stuff, all these high-ranking fiends. And at the very end of the hall, sitting on a throne, is Asmodeus. And he has three hellhounds next to him because I thought that was a funny little nod to Cerberus. Um, That's dope. And uh, Asmodeus welcomes, welcomes them and specifically welcomes Uthal, to which everyone then just turns <laughs> and looks. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, hey, Azzy. How's it going? I like the throne. <laughs> um. Cesar is flying towards that castle until he eventually sees down in the distance uh, a table, long table set in the field with tiny little things moving around the outside of it. He's like, oh, that's weird. Keeps flying. Then he sees it again. 
keeps flying. <laughs> Sees it a third time and notices that he's not actually getting any closer to that castle now. So he comes down onto the field and all around the table are just these forest animals that are just so happy to see him and start talking and run towards like, he's here. Oh my God. He's here. Look, he's here. Oh my God. I told you he'd be here. And it says like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the table is just full of food and drink and all this stuff. And they're like, come on, come on. We saved a place for you. We saved a place for you. And so he's like, okay. So he starts walking with them. Um, in the throne room, uh, they are basically like, hey, what's going on? Why are we here? And Asmodeus is basically just lays out like, Cesar is being tested and you're only alive because he's being tested and you are friends of his and I'm extending a courtesy of not killing you because of that. Fair. Yeah. Appreciated. Um, some more, some more talking happens and whatnot. And they, you know, they get a better idea of like, oh, Uthal made a deal with Asmodeus <laughs> for his fucking nightmare, and now we're facing the literal devil. The whole suffer and learn thing is uh, coming in strong. Yeah. <laughs> and then jump cut to uh, Cesar, who I made uh, had to make a wisdom saving throw, which he crit failed. Uh, during the conversation with Asmodeus. Cut back to him. He is sitting at the table, pounding cake, pouring tea, <laughs> smashing food into his face until he's starting to turn purple. And that's where we stopped. Okay. Now, this is where I got to kind of step back. And I need to tell the listeners some things. Because, <laughs> listeners, what happened in the next session had so many crossovers between things that have happened before that I need to inform you on that. Otherwise, <laughs> I will sound batshit insane. I am so ready. So, I wrote down a timeline, Dusty. It's on my iPad. Yes. You can't see it because it's bright, but it's right yes. there. Oh, yeah. So, we're going to do this in my world's chronological order, which is not the order in which they were played, just mm -hmm. as a heads up. Okay. We're starting off with Strahd. Uh, I will tell you this, listeners, there will be uh, some spoilers for Strahd, um, kind of big spoilers for Tombs of Annihilation. Uh, even though I'm going to say it's Storm King's Thunder, it's not. It's There's no spoilers <laughs> for Storm King's Thunder in this. Um, so, here we go. Strahd. Uh, again, this I, I'm going to say this specifically for Aaron because we've been talking about Strahd and she hasn't been sure if she's going to... I'm not going to spoil any big Strahd things in here. It's just some placement and whatnot. So during the Strahd campaign, which Dusty, you were there for. Yeah. Yeah, you were. You got a badass gnome. Yeah. Um, you may remember that uh, Ike's character, Dorian, betrayed you all. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. Um, he got uh, attempted by Hag and essentially was trying to become the new ruler of Barovia, or actually, in fact, making his own Barovia in the Shadowfell. Barovia Tying too. his soul to the land. Just like, yeah. Um, so you all needed to stop him. And eventually you heard about these gray elves, the Shatterkai, which lived on the edge of Barovia, who might be able to help you. Mm -hmm. So you go there. And 
uh, you find this nightmare of a circus that I won't go into detail of, but it was a nightmare. That that fucking circus. I still remember the descriptions of the shit. <laughs> Just the soulless little girl petting the dead goat. I'll never forget it. It's so good. Um, and this Shatterkai essentially tells you, like, hey, if he's trying to do this, what you, the only way that you're going to be able to undo it is if you put his soul somewhere. If you remove his soul from it and put it somewhere else. And for that, you're going to need soul metal. Which, to his knowledge, he only knew of one place that had it, and it was in the realm of the Raven Queen. So he helps you guys go there. Which, for so so, just a heads up: in Barovia and Strahd, you can't normally leave Barovia. My thinking was, it's a deeper part of the Shadowfell. It's fine. Yeah. Um. So you guys went to the the realm of the Raven, that yeah, realm of the Raven Queen. And you fought some stuff there, you were lost in a maze, and when all hope seemed lost, you turned a corner, and there was a house squeezed in between the walls of the labyrinth. Yeah, it was the fuckiest thing we've seen for the past three hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you go inside, and you're welcomed by a very uh, kind, studious, uh, uh, older woman uh, with a, her hair's white, put up into a bun, and she has pink spectacles on, and introduces herself as Mrs. Fox. Uh, she essentially said that she can help get the things that you need, um, and but there is a deal that needs to be made, but she will only offer the deal to someone alone. So someone has to volunteer first to hear the offer, and then accept that said offer to get the things they need. So Olin, Spencer's character, agreed. And he goes into the back and he uh, and Mrs. Fox says, I, uh, to, in exchange for getting the soul medal, and I'll even, uh, it was, originally it's going to be the soul medal. She haggled with him, though, and said, I will get you something you need to fight Strahd. So two things. Mm -hmm. And what she wanted in exchange was his soul. But... It was different than normal. It, she said, you will still be connected to your soul. It will just be in my possession. You, you will have all the emotions and everything like that, but your soul is in my possession and is mine until you die. Mm -hmm. um, he agreed. So he got the soul medal and he got something they needed to fight Strahd. Um, when they get back to the Shatterkai, they uh, make a ring out of it. And... Uh, they also make a button because they had leftover gold. Yeah. Um, and they're like, okay, well, uh, Wiz has the ability to pull souls out of people and do stuff with them. So maybe she can pull it out of him, put it in the ring. And since we got this extra button, maybe we can do that to Strahd. Do, do they do that? Find out in our review. <laughs> um... <laughs> tease. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always got to tease the old episodes. Um, so long story short, they take this ring, they uh, go find Dorian. He's now imbued with this power and connecting himself to the to the uh, the shadow fell. And he's just he's an ice demon. His skin's blue. He's got like ice for hair. He's like shooting out things and whatnot and doing some crazy stuff. Huge fight, huge like session long fight yeah. where I didn't do shit. You all fought each other. Because I also had Kyle's dead character come back as a vampire yeah. who then had a third objective in there. So you were all fighting amongst each other. I didn't have to do shit. It was the best game I ever that, did. That was also like a really good session. I also remember like my character like 
my character's an alcoholic, poured out a bunch of wine to make Molotov cocktails. Mm-hmm. Like red wine in the white snow. Pretty good imagery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so long story short, they kill Dorian, take his soul, put it in the ring, and the ring immediately freezes over. Mm-hmm. This, ladies and gentlemen, in my world, was the creation of the Ring of Winter. So, uh, jump ahead about 300 years or so, and the uh, 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 Tiamat campaign happens. Uh, The Rise rise of Tiamat? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Tyranny of Dragons. We'll do that. During that is when the the Skyreach, Knights of Skyreach, came to be a thing. They're the ones that, uh, you know, took care of the big bad got a flying castle and established themselves as a faction in Faerun. One of those people was Oriana Creek, who is my wife's character. Um, and she basically becomes the, the, the arcane person for uh, the, the Knights of Sky region becomes pretty powerful with it. And she is a warlock. That is uh, the pact of the old one. And she actually has the madman's journal and all that stuff. So she has got some eldritch knowledge, some stuff that's out there that a lot of people don't want or have. Yeah. Now we're going to jump to Tomb of Annihilation. Again, this is all stuff that you all need to know for this session I'm going to talk about. I'm reminding you of that now. Tomb of Annihilation. So I actually ran this in tandem with uh, Storm King, or not, uh, with uh, Curse of Strahd, which is entertaining as hell. In that, Arc December showed up, who has the Ring of Winter. Again, this is the Ring of Winter that is from the Strahd game. Um, and during that, they they walk around with Arctis. He's cool. I was making rolls to see if he's going to get controlled one night. He did fine. He did perfect. Everything's cool. At the end of that campaign, this is where the major spoilers for for T, for uh, for Tomb of Annihilation is going to be. At the end of that game, there is a thing called an atropal. An atropal is the like a god in fetus form it's it's nasty it's like this gargantuan sized nasty dead fetus thing that's alive and has like umbilical core tentacles and whatnot it sounds like and it and cry bullshit dude yeah 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 (laughs) um and so that the crx whole plan revolves around it turning into a god and whatnot so they're they the group there fought a bunch of shit. They're left with the atropal, and Kyle goes, "Can I polymorph it?" And I had to call Allian from the other room to get a second ruling on this. <laughs> and we couldn't find anything that said he couldn't, just that it had magic resistance, so it rolled uh, with advantage for its save. He did it once, didn't work. He's like, "Screw it, I got one more spell slot." Polymorph, roll two ones. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, what does it turn into? And he says, a cow. And then I rolled to see if it took damage falling out of the air, which it fucking didn't, and landed perfectly on the platform. So now there is a fucking cow god standing there. They're like, we got to get out of here. They find one of the Cyrax portals, go through it with the cow. Oh, they also left a note that was just like, hey, Cyrax, we stole your god baby. Have fun. Kisses and hugs. Bye. Um... And they found themselves in a... This part's not, not, not quite important. Essentially, they found themselves in, in Sigil. There was a thing there. Figured out what it was. was like, that's not good. I'm going to use... Uh, I have a ring that can cast Wish once. We're going to cast it on that. It's a cow for fucking ever. So, 
Now we come to Storm King's Thunder. <laughs> and by that, I mean my players decided to go to Chult again. Yeah. This is a different group. There's two members of here that are from the from the Team of Annihilation group. But the whole group is like, we're, the, the Giants want the ring of winner. We're going to fucking go find it. So they go to Chult. <laughs> The the Twitter thread you put, it's starting to slowly make sense, which is like, uh huh, uh huh. We're we're getting there, we're getting there. So uh, so there, uh, I'm gonna try and go through this one fast. So they go to Cholt, uh, they uh, find the farm. Okay, yeah. Also, two of the players from the Tomb of Annihilation campaign decided they were gonna make a farm on Cholt, and that's where they were gonna keep the cow and a goat that's cross-eyed and goes. <coughs> um. So they go. To, they ended up finding the farm. Uh, for reasons it actually made sense. And uh, turns out, Cowtropel, which they are now calling it, is missing. Don't know where it went. Don't know where it is. Um, they find out that Ark December lost, that, uh, lost one of his saves and is now being controlled by the Ring of Winter. Again, he's being controlled by Ike's character from like <laughs> two years before. Um, and so they go find Arctus um, and... They, they fight him, kill him, but he's a simulacrum. And what they ended up finding out was that uh, Arctis has the ring. He wants to go kill Rosnisi. And uh, Rosnisi is o- over in Omu, they think. Uh, but also Valindra wants the ring. But also Clouth the largest red dragon in the history of ever sniffed it out and is now on its way there as well. And if you watch dice camera action, you could see a few things where I've pulled ideas from again. I owe Chris Perkins money. Um, (laughs) So at this point, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I I'm like, I've thrown too much shit at them. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then I went Mrs. Fox. So again, Mrs. Fox shows up. This time in the top of a tree in the forest. (laughs) Um, And uh, this time, Christy's character, Elra, agrees to hear out the offer. And she says, I have something that will at least take care of one of your opponents uh, in exchange for your soul. Again, same deal. You'll be connected to it, but it's mine, all that stuff. She agreed. So Mrs. Fox gave her a orb of dragon kind, but it's like a beefed up one. Essentially, it was a fucking Pokeball for dragons. (laughs) That's so good. So they go find Arc December and Rosnisi. They they are able to get Arctis to like snap out of it for a second. Long enough for me to roll a save, which was a nat 20. (laughs) Back. Good. They take... uh, they take the orb and in some crazy anime scene, Uthal flies over to him and passes checks for fear and everything. Fucking puts the orb right into Clouth's ear and just like whispers something. I can't remember what it is. It was something funny. And then Clouth is pulled into the orb. After all of this, when they get back to Faerun, uh, or when they get back to the Sword Coast, they go to the Knights of Skyreach because some of them work for them. And Tara's character, Erga, gives Oriana... So I love it. Her character gave her other characters. Yes. <laughs> um, they gave Oriana the Ring of Winter, which was in a jar of bees, because they're like, that's how it will stay safe. Um, and the Orb of Dragonkind that has Clouth in it. 
Oh God, did I miss anything there? No. Okay, so now we can go to this week's session. Ah! So again, there are in uh, Nessus. They uh, Cesar is doing trials. They uh, the others are facing down Asmodeus. Um, and I'm having Cesar make saves. He's failing. He's taking damage. He's like, I'm gonna die here, surrounded by a bunch of fucking fairy tale animals, stuff in my face full of cake. This is how I go. Uh, and then he becomes aware that someone's standing next to him, and a voice uh, says, "You seem to be enjoying yourself." And he looks up, and it's Oriana. Now, Oriana, originally with the humble criminals, was kind was like telepathically communicating with them. What it what she explains is she was in hell. She was trapped there. She was captured by bell and he was going to use her as some kind of bargaining chip with Zario. They were actually, that team was formed to go get her, but having a psychic t- uh, connection between Oriana and Cesar kind of set out a shrimp, uh, a, sh- a shimmer through uh, the, the nine hells, which Asmodeus picked up on, which then keyed him in to where Cesar is. So he took possession of Oriana from Bell, which then cut her off of communication from the rest of them, which is why she hasn't been talking to them. And she's like, listen, I'm really sorry because accidentally I got you into this by e- even communicating with you telepathically from hell. Mm-hmm. And Cesar's like, what the hell are you talking about? Why? And she goes, I don't have a real good way to tell you this, so I'm just going to say it. Asmodeus is your great-grandfather. <laughs> Fucking What? He wants you to lead his armies in the material plane once he's gotten me to destroy the Ruby Scepter, which is the artifact uh, that was given to him by Primus that binds him and every fiend in existence to staying inside the bounds of every contract they are written. If the Ruby Scepter is destroyed, they can do whatever they want with any contract ever made. They can go back on any word. They can change any rule they want. Nothing matters. Yeah, I kind of started that one with a bang. Um, And so she's like, hey, so two options. You either keep going through this, these trials and see what happens. I had them all written out. They were very tough. Um, Or we can try and get to your friends and figure out how to get out of here. Meanwhile... (laughs) <laughs> the Golden Pals are talking with Asmodeus. They also find out that, you know, he, he, he the grandpappy. Um, and that the reason, the main reason he kept them alive was like, hey, I figured uh, my great grandson uh, might want some friends to fight along, you know, the armies of the Sword Coast with. Uh-huh. Uh, he also offered them each an infernal contract, which is a big deal. And I stressed that it was a big deal. Asmodeus has not done a contract since Zario. Okay. Um, okay. He, that was kind of him being like, "This is good. This is me showing I have good faith that I'm not just going to murder you." Um, but he sends them to this dining hall where the uh, the doors close and they kind of have a moment to be like, "What the fuck is going on?" And uh, it's about that time that uh, Cesar and Oriana pop up. Okay. And and so. They, they are, they're figuring out, they're like, okay, we need to get out of here. How are we going to do it? What are we going to do? They're going over these plans. And Oriana's like, okay, look, I don't really want to do this. And she's looking specifically at Uthal when she says this. 
but I have some things that could cause some trouble. And she takes her bag of holding and takes out the jar of bees with the ring of winter and the orb of dragon kind. Oh my God. Okay. And I'm like, and, and even me going, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm, this is, I'm just getting them more killed. Yes. But I'm having fun doing it or whatever. <laughs> um, and they're talking about stuff because not all of them were there. And they're like, what's with the fucking bees? And they're, they're like, oh, don't worry. There's a ring that has some evil entity in it. Um, but then one of them's like, what's with the orb? And Uthal goes, oh, we got it from some weird lady in a house in a tree. And Oriana goes, what? And he explains more. And Oriana's like, I've heard of this. I've I've read stories of this being that go over centuries. You got this from her. He's like, yeah. She goes, okay. I'm going to try and call us a taxi. <laughs> I don't know what it will do. I do she didn't actually say that. I, I said that, but it's like, uh, I don't know yeah, what yeah. it will do. I don't know what it will mean, but it is possibly the only way that we will be able to get out of Nessus. So this is when they're like, well, we need to distract Asmodeus. So Cesar goes, I'll do that. So he throws open the doors to this hall and for any of my IT crowd friends, just straight up Matt Berry's great grandfather. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> and <laughs> he, Violet, and Dagri walk out there and um, start talking to him, just kind of like trying to, trying to you know keep him preoccupied, you know keep his senses off of what's going on in the next room and all that fun stuff. And during it, Cesar is getting more heated than he was expecting to. And you know he he says like, oh, uh, he's like, well, it's good to know what uh you know where the bloodline from my mother's side came from and then he goes what happened to my mother and asmodeus pauses for a moment and go and says she didn't pass the trials hmm. and like the it, it was like it was like a quinn moment from freaking guardian galaxy 2 where he's just like you killed my mom okay <laughs> Okay, we're doing this now. And um, Asmodeus uh, puts him through another trial. He f actually fought in the Dragon Wars from Rise of Tiamat. Uh -huh. He was on the ground while the Knights of Skyreach were flying above. And so he's reliving that. And Cesar, uh, I loved this. Tom was just like, I cast Major Image. And we're now standing in my childhood home. And my mother and father are watching me take my first steps. Uh, and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, oh, my God. Meanwhile, back in the hall, <laughs> uh, Uthal is staring at the jar of bees while Oriana is, is trying to do some magic with the orb. And he's just like, should I do it? I could do it. Like, look, it's right there. I, I could just I could just dip in there, get the ring, put it on. It would be real cool. It would be <laughs> real fucking cool. Hurley's having none of it. He's just in the corner. He's like, I just, I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Just Marcaeus goes up to Uthal and he's like, all right, let me see the jar for a second. I'm going to do something. It's fine. And after a little bit of tug of war, 
Marquez eventually gives. He's like, see, look, it's fine. And then he opens it and takes out the ring and puts it on. What the fuck? <laughs> Kyle makes a charisma saving throw. And he passes. Now, here's the really cool thing, listeners. Kyle was also there. He was the he was the player whose character died and came back as a vampire during that fight. So he was there for the creation of the Ring of Winter and now has a character three years later wearing it. I love it. I'm, I, so, it's so uh, it's so good. So good. Good shit. <laughs> um, and about that time, Orion, I was like, okay, cool. I think I figured this out. This is either going to blow us up, teleport us somewhere we don't want, or work. Nice. So she she does the thing. There's this bubble pop, and then nothing happens. And they turn around, and squeezed into this dining hall is a house. It's a two-story house. <laughs> and the door flies open, and a very distraught Mrs. Fox goes, What the fuck is going on, and how did you do that? <laughs> I am furious and intrigued. Yes. <laughs> and so she takes them, she takes them into the house, and is just like, listen, this is normally like, you know, a lot more elegant. And I plan out things and I make some cookies and whatnot. And we have a good time. But you all fucking called me here, not on my own schedule. So what the fuck do you want? And they're like, <laughs> we need to get out of Nessus, the third level hell. She's like, oh, is that all? Cool. <laughs> it's going to be the phone call. And she's like, again, would be a lot uh, more elegant and, you know, mysterious and whatnot. I need one of your souls. Give me one of your souls. You still connected it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'll get you out of here. And it was really funny because St. James, like, Uthal was like, all right, you could have. And then Marcus goes, I'll do it. And he goes, yeah, that sounds great. That's fine. No, but yeah, no. Be, you know, if he just <laughs> no, threw himself no, out there, like, that was real yeah. heroic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so Marcus does it, shakes the hand. They're like, cool. Back in uh, Caesar's childhood home, uh, Asmodeus is looking at this image and is like, what is this supposed to be? And Caesar's like, uh, I wanted you to see what you destroyed. Ooh. Yeah, dude. Freaking Tom was uh. knocking it out of the park, man. <laughs> I did forget to say one thing. As they were going out into the hall that originally... Uh-huh. Daggery was walking straight was walking out hand out in front of him holding a vial of demon iker with a with a napkin plunged in it <laughs> and a lighter essentially <laughs> just like I got Maltov don't don't fuck with me um so Tom's Cesar says that and Asmodeus just kind of stares him down and then Mrs. Fox's house pops into the back of his childhood home <laughs> and door flies open or I was like time to go. And they start running and Cesar, uh, Tom was like, I want to now shift major image to a bunch of swirling colors and confusing patterns. And ladies and gentlemen, this motherfucker made me roll for a God. I, I, I haven't done that since, <laughs> since Tiamat. I had to find Asmodeus stats. <laughs> and I did. And I rolled. And he failed. Fuck. Um, and again, it was such a cool moment. I'm sure he had legendary resistance or whatnot. I wasn't going to matter with it. Yeah. Um, and then fucking, fucking Daggery. 
And he's like, just before I go into the house, I turn around, light the end of the napkin, and go, Bortles! And throw the Molotov. Yeah, that's right. We got a good place reference in there, too. Um, throws the Molotov. As Modius is now confused and on fire, which he's not, he's the devil. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and they close the door and they doctor who it out of there. So it's not over yet. <laughs> We're at an hour and four minutes. We ain't done yet. <laughs> I'm really sorry. We're going to have to get to Pathfinder next time. I'm, I apologize. Um, so they're in Mrs. Fox's flying house. She makes some cookies. Because, you know, she's, she's now just like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to make tea and cookies. <laughs> she's British. Um, and so she's like, okay, well, so here's the thing. You know, couldn't help but notice Asmodeus, Lord of the Nine Hells, was standing out there. And you all just kind of made yourselves enemies of the enemy. So I'll give you I'll give you an option here. I'll give you three options. One, drop you back off in your realm of existence. And Asmodeus chases you down until he gets you and kills you. Or I drop you off in another plane where he can't touch because he can't touch every one of the planes. He's not on every plane. So I drop you off on one of there. You stay there forever and live out the rest of your lives. The third is a deal. And she looks at Cesar and says, in exchange for your soul, the same deal that I did with Marcaeus, I will make it so that you were never related to Asmodeus. Oh. And, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Then, Hurley, fun fact, is the half-brother of Alton, who was one of the people in the game for Tomb of Annihilation. He knows about the Caltropal. He's been looking for that Caltropal. And he's like, could we go to where the Caltropal is? Which is when my eyes go wide. And they have a serious discussion about just fucking off from the adventure, just leaving everything behind and going there and be like, we'll find a way back. We, we could find this out. But they were like, no, we're going to we're going to we, we're going back to Avernus. We need to save the people of Eltriel. And we need to do this. We can worry about the Caltropal later. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I knew where it was. And my God, I was kind of excited. I was like, I know it's against your characters, but I kind of want you to do it. It's fine. They didn't. They didn't do it. Well, listeners, we'll get to the Caltropal another time. Because I tell you, it, it is going to be a thing. So Cesar does the deal. Gives uh, her his soul. I described it as uh, feeling kind of a white noise, staticky th feeling in his in the inside of his chest, and then it just kind of went away, and he was fine. So he is no longer related to Asmodeus. Asmodeus is no longer his patron because he is a bard warlock. Oh, um, I've now told him that he can pick any patron that he wants, and that's what will have happened. So now they're back in. Uh, Avernus. They're at the. They specifically teleported to. Well, arrived at the bottom of the chasm. So we're going to continue on with descent into Avernus. But yeah, that was the that was the side story my players went on. <laughs> A fucking side story. God damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some um, wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
like it, it it was it was a crazy session because everyone had an idea everyone was suggesting things there was conversations about what should we do we didn't roll combat once like it was a full-on story description make make a decision that could fucking kill you yeah kind of session and they got out of it alive they chose the things they did but i'll tell you this and this is something i have to figure out he's not related to asmodeus anymore this place that they're in is no that didn't happen i now have to figure out the timeline repercussions of that yes because that that's because i don't yeah, I don't want it to just be that, like, oh, this story point that we had is no longer there. I want there to be some a ripple effect from this that changes some things and some stuff and yeah. see what we get to with that and have some fun with it. That's that's some insane shit. I because I, <laughs> like I I literally there's a thousand directions I could have guessed it was gone. I would have not fucking guessed any of that shit. <laughs> Can you imagine if Marcus had lost the the save and then Ike's character Dorian is now standing in a paladin's body with a holy avenger and a freaking shield with a demon in it? <laughs> like, oh my god, that would have been oh that could have just been the worst. I they would have all died. <laughs> I think. That combat with that character almost did kill most of our party. Yeah, it did. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Dusty, thank you so much for being here. Dude, um, pleasure. I don't have anybody lined up for next week, so maybe Dusty will be back next week for this as well. <laughs> down. Maybe we'll sound. Awesome. Yeah, again, thank you so much for being here. This was a blast. I loved hearing about your game, and, I'm, and thank you for being here and just making it so I'm not talking into a void and sounding insane. Oh, no worries at all. <laughs> Dusty, uh, where, where can people find you? Where, where, where can they hear more of you? Um, if you want to hear more about my nerdy stuff, you can find me at um, Dust E Hill on Twitter. You can find my podcast at Shouting in Place, um, which is going to be returning this Sunday, the day after this episode comes out. Hell yeah, go listen. Very familiar voice. Uh, it's going to be Wiz. Gonna be coming hey! Hey. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Um, and also, I'm gonna show this out there because I'm part of a cast of Tabletop Roulette, which is like an anthology, actual play series. Mm-hmm. The first thing I'm uh, that I'm in is actually coming out this week, I believe. For it's uh, for Spooktober, we play Sleepaway, a GMless, DMless, uh, diceless horror game where we're camp counselors. Oh, I love it! It's uh, the session zero, at least I'm pretty sure. If it's not this week, it's next week. Uh, okay. It's coming out, um, I'm really excited for it to come out because I've had a ton of fun with this group of people. So, hell yeah, let, let me for that. Let let me know when that happens. I'll be sure to have difficulty class tweeted out. Yeah, um, yeah. Tabletop roulette, uh, TTRPG roulette on Twitter. Um, check it out. There's also a lot of good games going on for that series too. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely go listen to the Shouting Place. We've been telling you for for a while now. Go listen to that show; it's good stuff. Yeah, Great I conversations. Appreciate it so much every time you do. <laughs> hey, we we wouldn't do it. We didn't like. No, nah, it's not true. We we love you, Dusty. <laughs> but it's not a bad show. It's a great show. Go listen to it. I, I think so. Yeah, you you can you can hear more of uh, Dusty Weathers, aka the Xanathar. Hear more of me. You can hear more of Ali. You can hear more of Chad Holden from Respawning Fire. You've got so many good guests on that show, dude. You're kicking ass. I love it. 
but that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, if uh, I, I guess I'll just do the normal Oregon rule. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Because, again, this is a new show. You know, we we, we want to know if we're doing good, if people are liking it. So leave a con- leave a review. Uh, let us know on Twitter. Send us an email. Because, again, you can send us your own stories. We'll read them out here. We'll have some fun. Uh, but, yeah, you can do all that uh, at Difficulty Class on Twitter at difficulty podcast on Instagram and you can send your stories and your reviews and your critiques to difficulty class at gmail.com. And you can leave your reviews on any podcast service at which you are listening to it currently. Uh, but yeah, uh, until next time, have a good game. I still don't have a different outro for this one. Uh, Just wanted to say really quick that the sound effects and music that you heard in this episode were from Sirenscape. You can check them out at www.sirenscape.com and find some really awesome sound effects for your game like this.